You're listening to a stranger podcast, www.thestranger.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual Hey everybody, uh, this is Dan Savage and this is my podcast, the once a week out loud version of uh, Savage Love, my syndicated sex advice column. It's a couple days uh, after Christmas. I hope everyone had a good one. Um, I hope everyone who celebrates Hanukkah had a good Hanukkah. Um, And I mispronounce Hanukkah like that because a lot of people don't know this, but the tech savvy at risk youth are actually the lost tribe of Israel and they're here with me today. Uh, and it pisses them off when I mispronounce the name of their cute festival of slights or whatever the hell it is. Uh, 206-201-2720 is the number here at the Christmas Obsessed Podcast. Christmas is over. We're about, yeah, we're looking at the end of 2008, uh, which was a very good year uh, for some things. Very good year for Democrats. Very good year for African Americans. Very good year for sort of... Everybody but the homos. We're having a bad end of year. and We're not going to dwell on Prop 8 and Rick Warren. I'm tired of ranting about it, and I'm going to try to let my heart fill with hope. Hope, hope for the new year. Uh, and hope for all of your sex lives, because really that's what I'm here for. I'm here to help. I'm not here to bitch and whine and moan and complain about Rick Warren and Prop 8 endlessly, although that does seem to be what I'm doing. Let's get to your calls. This episode is brought to you by AdamandEve.com, where you can find over 18,000 adult entertainment products to spice up your love life. To receive 50% off most any item, plus a free gift with most purchases, please visit AdamandEve.com and enter SAVAGE at checkout. Well, one of the things that came up is uh, guys who are straight, but they like to suck dick every once in a while. So it leads me to a friend of mine. He, um, he and I have been friends for about 10 years. He started in college and... Uh, um, now he's married, and over the past, like, two years since he got married, he, he's kind of brought up some things about basically that. Um, you know, up until now, it's been kind of a thing that I've brushed off and not really, I don't know, I, I've kind of ignored it. Um, but now I'm starting to feel bad because he feels sad and he's expressed it in a way that, like, he's missed out on something. So, so here's my question. Um, I'm wondering if I should offer him to you know do that with me um because i wouldn't really mind and or would that be something that would create like a big issue or and how do i know if he's not if he's like has feelings for me or if it's just something that's a desire he's never really offered it to me so i know that if i did it'd be something that i'd have to say like oh i'd i would do that for you if you wanted where do i start Let's start here with this. I would do that for you. You're going to get a blowjob. That's not something you're doing for him. That's something he's doing for you. Moving on. Now, a lot of people out there, this call is going to blow their minds because people don't believe that there are straight guys out there who want to suck dick. That's what female escorts are for. It's dick attached to a woman so a straight guy can mess around the dick. Gay guys, as I've said a million times, are not renting shemale escorts they're not servicing our community they are servicing the straight community now your friend has i guess somehow worked into casual conversation between just two straight guys that he likes to suck dick uh, but he hasn't specifically offered to suck your dick so what could that possibly mean now 
it could mean that he just sort of theoretically and hypothetically wants to suck some dick to be named later. But, and so, you know, maybe he was just throwing that out there, but not at all interested in sucking you or your dick. However, I'm a straight guy who likes to suck cock. Just throwing that out there. That's not a conversation that straight guys generally have with uh, men whose dicks they aren't at least remotely interested in sucking. He was trying to broach the subject, perhaps, with you. So I think we can infer that he might be interested in sucking your cock. I think we can also infer that he's married and it would technically be adulterous behavior if he sucked your dick. Now what to do about this? I am all for increasing the amount of dick suckery in this world. More blowjobs, more better. I'm not generally into cheating unless somebody has cause. Uh, Usually cause for me boils down to uh, kind of abandonment within a relationship where somebody cuts somebody off or isn't interested or will not, uh, you know, do what I think people need to do for the people they uh, form long-term romantic relationships with, which is keep them milked. Uh, and, and put out on a regular basis and, and make sh- and regard that person's sexual satisfaction and, and a kick-ass sex life as part of your responsibility, part of what you committed to. You didn't just commit to sitting on the couch together and getting old and fat and stupid and irrelevant together. You committed to doing each other and doing for each other all your lives. Now, it comes down to, for you ethically, where's this guy's wife on this? Is she entirely in the dark? Does she know he's got a hint of the bisexual about him? Would she be down with him fellating you? Now, I get letters every day from straight women who are into watching two guys go at it, straight women who have married, and bisexual women who have married bisexual guys, uh, and also uh, straightened by women who have married 100% heterosexual guys who want my help uh, somehow convincing their 100% heterosexual spouses to mess around with the dude a little bit just to entertain the wife. Uh, That's a really hard sell, I've found. Ethically... I don't think you can have sex with your friend, which is what you'd be doing, without the wife's buy-off or consent or without the get-out-of-adultery-free card that is the wife having cut him off. Um, So I would encourage you to perhaps discuss with your friend his particular circumstances and find out if the wife's down with it, if the wife knew about it going in, if this is something he has uh, permission to run out and experience. And then you would be a good person to experience it with if you are also in a stable relationship, also have buy-off from your your partner, your spouse, and, uh, you know, aren't a big slut that's going to expose him to something that then he's going to take home to the wife. So if you can batten down all those hatches, if you can run that gamut a- a- and line up all those, um, bring all those stars into alignment, then you have my blessing to uh, do that for your friend so selflessly. Hi, Dan. I'm a straight guy in my late 20s and a sort of heteronormative, uh, monogamous relationship. Anyway, I've been with my girlfriend now for over three months. Uh, it's serious. It's good. Um, I like everything about her, uh, virtually everything. But one thing's been getting to me lately. Uh, she's a flirt. Um, I think she's pretty oblivious and she says she is and her friends say she is pretty oblivious to the fact that half of the conversations she has with guys um, are really flirtatious. She gets hit on all the time and doesn't realize it and it's starting to get to me. I uh, don't think, I I trust her. I don't think any of this flirting um, 
really indicates uh, that she'd cheat on me with any of these guys, any guys or anything like that. But it kind of feels shitty to um, to kind of to encounter it, to see it happening, uh, to see this sort of obliviousness. She uh, she did um, go to all girls schools growing up, so I think she just does not quite understand. Uh, the, the rules or the systems or the norms of flirtation in uh, in modern American society. So I, you know, don't don't want to blame her in one sense. In one sense, but I'm getting kind of sick of it. Uh, she says it's been an issue with boyfriends in the past. She says it's not something she really wants to do, but she doesn't really know how to not do it or what she is doing or what not to do. I'm calling because I want to know what form your girlfriend's flirting takes. What is it exactly that she's doing? It's, well, um, it's the sort of, oh, let me think, it's talking, it's, it's talking in flirtatious, in flirtatious ways, like tone of voice, uh, leaning in, mm-hmm. smiling a lot, and then with some of my friends uh, lately, it's been, you know, like bits of touching, um, you know, grabbing, rubbing arms, things like that. And <laughs> she said this is all unconscious and unintentional. Yeah, and and you know, and sometimes even drinking a bit, and it's the kind of thing that uh, we've actually talked about it a bit more since uh, since I called you. And yeah, she claims it's totally unconscious, and I half believe it and half don't. And uh, talked with one of her good friends about it, who's. It says she's she's been burned by this too, in the sense that my girlfriend's kind of with that girl's boyfriends, boyfriends or, or guys she's interested, things like that. How and what's uh, your girlfriend, objectively speaking? Objectively, um, she's really cute, mm-hmm. like you know, blonde hair, beautiful smile, all of that. Right. So she's the kind. And, of, uh, you know, putting aside the issue, if she went to an all-girls school and perhaps is a little bit starved for male attention. Yeah, she's like a hot girl, and a lot of hot girls thrive on that sort of male attention. It's very affirming. Yeah, and yeah. It, it provides a certain amount of power. But mm-hmm. because we live in a culture that tells women that they can't have any sexual agency or they're sluts and whores, uh, a lot of women who are a bit predatory, whether or not she's actually fucking anybody, she, you know, she's out there encouraging mm-hmm. this kind of attention, run around claiming that what, what? I had no idea. No, I'm not. Uh, what? Are, what do you mean? Yeah, and, yeah. and to, to, to you know, to uh, immunize themselves from charges of you know flirting with intent, mm-hmm. as if there's something wrong with that, and they're really yeah, and, and provided you're a single, be your partner digs seeing you flirt, and some guys do, or C, uh, it's actually unconscious, but it's not. Mm-hmm. It very rarely is. So you know, you can it you know it depends what kind of leverage your existence in her life amounts to. Yeah. This thing that you really enjoy doing when you're out, you mm-hmm. can't do if you're with me. So you've got to choose yeah. between this kind of social interaction that you really enjoy and that feeds your yeah. ego or being with me. Uh-huh. Well, I mean, with I, I think I have almost that amount of leverage with her. I think, we're you know, she's pretty into me. And it's not that I don't want her to ever you know, be able to be flirtatious or to use that or to, you know, to sort of get off on that. It's that it's sort of the degree, and I'd like her to acknowledge it. Right. There's a point at which it becomes humiliating. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, you can go out with somebody who's hot, and 
sort of bask in the attention they get, secure in the knowledge mm-hmm. that you're going home with the hottie that everybody else is staring at. Um, mm-hmm. And that can be fun. But there's a point at which it ends up where you're in a room full of people and your girlfriend or boyfriend is throwing herself or himself at people to an extent where you, you're worried that other people are thinking, God, he's a fool. Or well, that's, that's what playing him. That's what happened uh, about a week ago. Um, what sort of prompted the call was, you know, she was sort of doing this with one of my best friends who's um, who's a total uh, narcissistic, you know, slut for attention himself. Mm-hmm. And um, it was a lot of, and, and I, I would try, you know, I would trust, I want to trust that nothing would actually ever happen. But then one of one of my other friends and somebody who I'm not even that close with turns and goes, "Are they flirting?" You know which is what I've sort of been feeling or, or noticing for a while and was getting pretty fed up with. And it's sort of that and there's no, sort of thing where there's I don't... There's some guys in your position who would eroticize that. There's some, you know, guys into yeah. building, guys into hot wives, guys into, you know, three ways with their best male friends who are also nervous. Yeah, I'm, I'm, But it doesn't sound like you're one of those guys. It's, yeah. And yeah, so the trick for you two, if you're going to stay in this relationship, is mm-hmm. she's going to have to edit her behavior and find some other way to have her hotness affirmed, mm-hmm. right, and some other way to interact with men. Uh, and it wouldn't yeah. be a bad idea for her to do that because, you know, the decades will roll away and then if she, this is all she knows how to do and the only way she knows how to get attention, it'll be pathetic when she's 50 uh, or 60 if she's still out there doing yeah. it. Yeah. So either she needs to edit or you need to uh, break up and she needs to find a guy who not only isn't threatened by this but is cranked by it. Yeah. I mean, I'm sort of. I, or is, is there a sort of middle ground though of me, I'm myself, myself being okay with it, with a certain amount of it, but her just yeah. But the the problem editing it down, toning it down. Yeah, but the no. problem with that is then that's so vague. You have to tone yeah. this thing down, and then you're always going to be negotiating what toned down means. Like, did you go mm-hmm. too far? Was this too far? And you're going to feel like you're you can't go out with her socially without having to police her everything she does and all of her behavior. And then her, you know, perhaps a creeping sense of insecurity about what yeah. has, tri- you know, tripped a line. So really, you guys have to have a come-to-Jesus talk. You're only three months in, right? Yeah, I know. Come-to-Jesus talk where you say, at least for the next year, you can't act like that until I'm more secure in this relationship. You're like, it's got to stop. you got to, like, drop it. Or, honey, you got to go find a cuckold wannabe. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's but... Dan, I, I mean, I think the one thing I think is I don't think it's so much my security and, like, my being secure and feeling that I can trust her, because I feel I can. It's more the, the sort of embarrassment, the sort of the, the awkward situations, you know, when we're out with friends. It's that sort of thing. Well, rub her it's nose. Really, yeah. yeah. That's still an option. You can edit it. You can stop. You, can, you have to stop this because it makes me uncomfortable. It makes my friends uncomfortable. It makes your friends mm-hmm. uncomfortable. This is a character flaw. And, you know, that's often what we find when we first get into our very first relationships is aspects of our character that we thought were charming or idiosyncratic or part of who we are. We realize are so repulsive that we've got to do yeah. uh, editing of our characters. Uh, no, I hear that. We're never going to be in a relationship that lasts. People say, you know, take me as I am. I can't change for anybody. I have to be true to myself. But that's actually bullshit. People go into their first relationships and realize that, you know, passing gas 24 hours a day, whenever you feel like it is, is not going to get you laid. And then they stop. Yep. Or, you know what I mean? Just to take a mm-hmm. No, I, I totally hear you on that. Totally hear you on that. But again, like, well, like I said, I'm going to read myself. Your options, she has to drop mm-hmm. it, and you have to drop her. Yeah. 
There really is no middle way. That middle way where, like, she tones it down, and maybe that's mm-hmm. what she'll do if she, you know, commits to dropping it, is it'll tone way down. But if yeah. you say, okay, you have to modulate, then it just becomes, you know, it becomes a not a relationship but a hostage situation where you're both <laughs> hostage to her natural sort of mm-hmm. inclination toward this flirtatious behavior. And, huh. you know, not to sour you on your girlfriend, that's really about power and control. And, mm-hmm. and the obliviousness is dishonest. I don't yeah, I mean, any I'd... hot people who flirt who don't know exactly what they're doing and why. Girls I hear you on that. Withstanding. Okay. This episode is brought to you by AdamandEve.com, where you can find over 18,000 adult entertainment products to spice up your love life or surprise a special someone. AdamandEve.com has a great selection of toys, lingerie, and movies. 10 million customers love the quality, the fast and discreet shipping, and the 100% satisfaction guarantee. Visit adamneve.com today and receive 50% off most any item of your choice, plus a free gift with a purchase of $17 or more. That's adamandeve.com and enter SAVAGE at checkout. I have a friend, a mutual friend, and I ended up sleeping with her husband probably about a year ago. And subsequently, about a month after her husband and I were carrying on this affair, he died very suddenly and unexpectedly. And ever since then, I haven't been able to have like a clear conscience about it. And I am compelled to call this person that I had been friends with and tell her what happened. But then the other part of my brain kicks in and says, why would you do that? You had an affair with this person. He passed away. You know, the past is, gone. Nobody else knows about it. Um, But I'm really just riddled with guilt. And I don't know if that's just something that I need to just get over and deal with the fact that I had an affair with a married man. Um, You know, nobody found out about it, no harm, no foul. Or if there's really some kind of benefit for me other than just easing my own conscience in telling this person that I screwed around with her husband. It's Dan Savage. Oh, hey. Oh, hey. How are you? Um, I'm good. Um, uh, I have a quick question, a follow-up. Okay. Okay. Uh, have you told this woman yet that you fucked her deceased husband? <laughs> um, no. Good. Um, and uh, it's a, so the sort of secret you should take to the grave yourself. You uh, think so? Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? I'd put you in that grave myself if I could, if I thought you were about to tell this woman <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you fucked her husband. It's not funny, lady. Jesus I, mean, I know, I know. It's horrible. No, I know. No. I don't want you to give me too many details because uh, I'd hate for this all to get back to someone via the podcast. I know, totally. But sometimes when people, you know, sometimes when you have an affair with somebody, uh, particularly the partner of somebody that you know, it's not just about the attraction to that person. Uh, it's often an act of violence against the person who you're yeah. cheating on or who's being cheated, you know, your, your quote-unquote friend. So your desire, uh, you know, your, however attracted you were to the, this uh, deceased dude, your, the affair wasn't, you know, purely innocent. It wasn't just adultery. It was also you kind of flipping off this friend or ex-friend. Uh, yeah. Anyway. And that's where this desire to tell her now springs from. It, it is an additional act of violence that you want to commit against your friend, and it is appallingly cruel. Yeah. And you will go to hell forever. 
if you ever <laughs> breathe a word of it. Just, yeah. You have to let her be at peace and live with the illusion that her marriage didn't it wasn't touched by adultery and stay the fuck out of it. And it's not about you clearing your conscience. It's about you doing emotional violence to this woman. That is why you're motivated to say something. Wow. True. And you know what? People have affairs for all sorts of different reasons, and I am, you know, of all the advice-giving professionals on earth, I am the most pro-adultery. So mm-hmm. I'm not even going to, like, piss on your leg too much about having an affair. People have affairs. Adultery happens. Sometimes people in long-term relationships have to cut a few corners so that they can stay in that long-term relationship with some contentment because there's the greater good of the survival of the long-term relationship, particularly when there are kids involved. Yeah. So I'm not, like, going to bash you too bad about having the affair, but you need to really look inside and 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 how whatever resentments that you carry in your heart uh, directed at this woman, you need to let those go. She's suffered enough. Her, she, her husband died. And leave it alone. All take right. It, take it to the grave. And will if, do. And if you don't, I'll find out. <laughs> and I will come there and I will dig your grave that you should have taken it to and I will shove your ass in it. All right. Promise me? Oh, I promise, 100%. Okay. Talk to you later. Thank you. Bye. Hi, Dan. My name is, uh, you can call me Janet. I'm early 30s in a relationship with a great guy for uh, about a year and a half now. And part of our relationship has involved, he, he was involved in the swinger scene a little when he was a single. He got involved with a couple who was involved Went to a couple clubs, uh, uh, did some threesomes, and I, I don't have any problem with that. Um, in fact, I'm kind of you know turned on by the idea of being with two guys. My problem is that when we we sort of try to incorporate this into our sex life, which we have tried to do, I went with him to the same club that he went to when he was a single. Um, it was great, uh, you know, as far as like observing other other couples do stuff, or them watching us. That was fine, but when it came to actually doing something with another couple, something just—I I don't know—I I couldn't, I couldn't be comfortable. I couldn't follow through. I don't know what kind of feeding into that. Uh, we've put the uh, the whole concept on the back burner for now until the end of the current school year because of my course load. I'm a doctoral student. Um, but this is something that, I mean, like I said, the idea of being with two guys at the time is completely arousing to me. I mean, it's one of, uh, like one of my primary fantasies. And mentally, I don't even have a problem with the idea of him being with another woman, but something about the reality of it, or with, I don't know if it's with the swinger scene, but I can't seem to relax. And I was wondering if you had any sort of ideas or suggestions, because I've talked to him about kind of being uncomfortable with this. He says it's not a deal breaker, which is obviously great, because I really care about this guy. But at the same time, 
I kind of like to be comfortable with this, um, not just for him, but for me too. So I was wondering if you had any suggestions or ideas about what it is that's kind of, uh, why I can't translate the fantasy into the reality. Okay, here's my advice for you. Uh, okay. The back burner is the perfect place for this for now. Um, a year and a half in, uh, it, it, for a lot of people who get involved in swinging, is it, too soon. Like, I have a lot of friends, straight friends, who are or have been in the swinger scene, and most of them seem to regard it as something that's good at, like, year four or five, when there's just a really solid foundation, uh, and the relationship is um, a sturdy thing, right? Right. Um, that being said, you know, you said you couldn't seem to relax in that environment, uh, and the reality of it didn't sort of match align with your fantasies. Um, I'd say the reason you couldn't relax is because you went in with the expectation that first time that you were going to do something that night. Well, you, you know, actually, we we had talked about that, and we knew, like, the first like couple times that it wasn't going to be that way. It, 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 but so then it, why did you guys attempt to do something with another couple that first time? No, that wasn't the first time. Oh, okay. we, the, um, that was, like, the third time. Oh, okay. So you were doing the right thing. The, the, the swingers recommended approach, which is go a few times, get a feel for the the environment, for the lay of the land, meet some people, but don't walk into your very first swingers party with the expectation that anything is going to happen besides observing. Right, right, absolutely. That was that was the idea at the time. But and so what? You, but what you discovered going a few times and then trying it was that it didn't work for you. Well, yeah, and here's like the, the, the thing. I mean, after that, you know, he set up a profile on like a site. And um, we met like a couple of couples and a couple of couples outside of the party. Yeah, yeah, and, and never, you know, always in like public settings, you know, meet for coffee, stuff like that. And I just, you know, afterwards he'd be like, you know, what do you think? And I'd always be like, something about it just always felt off to me, and I could never sort of put my finger on that because, like I said, you know, sort of like fantasy-wise, that was like, like right up there, you know. Mm-hmm. I that for me is the, is the trickiest part because you know we talked about it, and I think we did a pretty good job of communicating about it. Um, I know it's only a year and a half in, and I listen to you all the time, so I know you think that's kind of too early for this. Um, but you know, I, he, he says it's not a deal breaker. You know, I, I just can't figure out. Here, what... I, th- I think I might be able to put my finger on it. Um, okay. <laughs> some people find the social dynamics of the swinging scene not erotic, kind of off-putting. Um, you know, the, the, the scene at the parties or the people they meet through those contact websites, that there's something de-eroticizing about that process and that they don't approach, the, they, they weren't able to approach the, you know, the couples they met who were self-selecting on a swingers website to be interested in just this kind of sex, that they didn't, they couldn't make a connection, sort of an emotional, social, and sexual connection with those couples for some reason. It's almost like... Uh, that the, the very fact that they were in a swingers club or on a swingers website disqualified them from, you know, made them not attractive in a way. Mm. Uh, that's not the only way to find people who are interested in, you know, perhaps the boy-boy-girl three-way that, that you said you fantasized about. Some people who are, you know, able to have kind of swinging-style sex find that it's, more erotic and and less off-putting to find those people outside of the whole swinging apparatus, outside of the structure, and or outside of organized swinging, just in the course of their lives. Okay. Oh, um, to look to friends, to look to previous partners, 
to look to you know to to look to uh, a, a moment of uh, spontaneity <laughs> as opposed to this sort of you know tag and release seeking out. Well, and which was part of you know the issue I, I was feeling like um, I think I said in the original phone call that this is a very busy year for me, mm-hmm. uh, and it felt like this was like like an interview process I was having to do on the weekend along with like my internship, and it was just too much to kind of handle. It was right, and that structure exists so that people couples who want what you know ostensibly you guys may want can suss out other couples and sort of interview them, just like you say. Uh, and keep keep them completely compartmentalized from their regular lives, so that you know you never have to risk hitting on somebody who's not interested or scandalizing an old flame by inviting them into bed with you in your current right. It's much right. more of an issue for straight couples because of the presumption of monogamy that characterizes all straight relationships, even though it's often not the case. Right, right, and and uh, I, I guess you know part of it too is that he's more comfortable with it. He participated as a single. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't, I don't begrudge that, or at least I don't think I do. Um, but I guess it's hard to think that maybe, like, subconsciously something's not going on there. But well, I think what you should do is move it to the back burner. Subconsciously, okay. psychologically, what may be going on is you want some assurance that it is truly not a deal breaker. Mm. And so move it to the back burner. He sticks around. You get that assurance. And then for now, like, leave Organized Swinging. Take the website. Take the ad off the website. Don't go to parties. And, and you know, finish up your your classwork, and and, and reconceptualize how this may happen. That to to say to him, let's be open to possibility. Let's be open that if you know we encounter people in our lives, if somebody comes into our life uh, who's you know is sexually adventurous, and we somehow develop a bond with somebody, that that we'll seize the opportunity when it presents itself, rather than going out there and beating the bushes. And meeting people through the, or the structure of organized swinging, which kind of sounds like it doesn't do it for you. But thank you very much. I appreciate the call. Love You're your welcome. call. Love, love the podcast. Thanks a lot. Bye. Bye. Hi, Dan. Love your cast. Um, I just had a strange question. Um, I was on Craigslist yesterday, and I usually use it for the discussion forums. But I was curious, and I was looking up the personals, and I'm married. Um, so this sounds strange, but I was looking at the men for men and there were so many, like more than a page by 1 PM of men who wanted blow jobs. And the vast majority of them said for men who said they were married and it just shocked me. Um, I don't know. I, I'm just really curious now. I just want to know why there are so many. Because um, even if they were all bi, meaning to me, if they were all gay, that's a lot. Saying they're married, requesting for other men to suck their dicks while their wives are at work because they had time frames like nine to one. Um, thanks a lot. Bye. Oh, where do we start? We could start with the call at the beginning of the show from the straight guy who is going to graciously allow his uh, bi-curious straight married male friend to do that for him. Um, I get a lot of grief because a lot of bisexuals insist that I've insisted that there's no such thing as a, a bisexual man. I've joked about it, but there are bi guys and guys with a little touch of the bi 
often wind up in heterosexual relationships and are straight identified. They will tell you that they're straight. Uh, they appear to be straight uh, because they are in heterosexual relationships. They have children. They have wives. Uh, they have more than one wife occasionally, it, which contributes to the problem of bisexual invisibility because a lot of bi guys disappear into heterosexual relationships and into a straight identity. Uh, and, you know, some bi guys who wind up with guys, the precious few, but the, the few who do disappear into sort of gay identity. And then you look around and go, well, I guess there are no bi guys because they're the straight guys in the pile over here and the gay guys in the pile over there. And never the twain shall meet, except now we have the Internet. And these touch of the bi guys who wind up in straight relationships are now able to get uh, a little bit of male uh, action on the side very discreetly, uh, very unethically. Uh, so that's part of it. Another large part of it is there are a lot of heterosexual married men who are sexually deprived, who are not getting it at home, whose wives are exhausted, who probably, you know, worn out from raising the kids all day, whose relationships have uh, crumbled, really, uh, through neglect, often on the part of the husband, sometimes on the part of the wives. And the Internet allows these guys to get something they're not getting at home, perhaps a blowjob. Uh, I get letters every day. No, I'm not allowed to say this. I get letters every day from guys who married women who would blow them, who then a year or two in the marriage, the ladies, the, the wives decided that they were never that interested in oral sex. That oral sex for a lot of straight women seems to be audition behavior, but not married life behavior, uh, which is, I think, uh, false advertising. And uh, if that happens to a guy, I think he has a right to go get a blowjob somewhere else every once in a while, provided he's really, really safe, which isn't entirely possible. What can you do? Um, so a lot of these straight guys will who are straight, who really would prefer to get a blowjob from a woman, will do the mouth is a mouth is a mouth thing, hook up with a gay guy, clamp their eyes shut, or watch some heterosexual porn, and let the gay guy blow them. Now, what's in it for the gay guy? A lot of gay guys fetishize heterosexual guys. They think it's really hot that the guy is straight and that they're uh, getting to suck straight dick because, you know, some gay guys have an inferiority complex about being gay or they have a lot of internalized self-hatred around uh, being gay and they think there's something, you know, superior about straight dick to gay dick. I happen to disagree. Um, so you won't find me on Craigslist offering blowjobs to straight guys uh, because I prefer my dick gay as a goose. Now, there it is. Bi guys in straight relationships deprive straight guys in uh, straight relationships and gay guys willing to do the Lord's work. Oh, right. And how could I forget them? There's also the closet cases, not just the like straight guys with a touch of the bi who want a little male action and the deprived guys who are willing to clamp their eyes shut. There's also the Ted Haggards and the Larry Craigs. There are the closet cases, the 100% fags who, because of social pressure, because they actually fell for it and believe God hates them, wind up married to women that they uh, can't ever truly love or form a true intimate bond with, uh, which is a form of violence for which uh, the Ted Haggards and Larry Craig's of the world should be beaten with uh, sticks. And they're on Craigslist now because, as Woody Allen once said, the heart wants what the heart wants, and the Internet makes it possible for the heart to go get it. Hi, Dan. I'm a 17-year-old bisexual female in Anchorage, Alaska, and I'm really nervous right now, but um, I'm calling because recently I've been dealing with a lot more hateful comments about my sexuality, and I just had a few questions. Um, well, pretty much I live with my older sister, her fiancé, and his brother, and their friend, and most of my family thinks that the fact that I'm attracted to both guys and girls is wrong, but um, 
I'm used to dealing with that. My parents and family members usually don't bring it up. And when it does come up, they keep their views to themselves to keep the peace. But um, tonight, my brother-in-law's brother, who's extremely Catholic, more double-standard, hypocritical Catholic like the rest of my family, but um, tonight he decided to make his opinions known. And we were down in the dining room wrapping presents, and he... He had heard about my dad and I getting into an argument when I saw him earlier tonight about same-sex marriage, and so I was already kind of pissed off about that. But um, Jake decided to tell me um, that the normal spiel about how it's not natural, not genetic, but learned habit, and it can be changed. And then he went as far as telling me that the same thing as someone who has fantasies about raping a person and the fact that I act upon being attracted to girls is the same as that person raping someone. So I left the room at that point. And I can't believe he said that. It's this is coming from the person who says, just like the Bible says, everyone's created equal and in the image of God, but I guess that's true unless you're gay. So I don't know really how to deal with this because this is kind of turning into an ongoing thing. I went back downstairs and he was like that. And I've had to deal with it for like a couple months now, but tonight was, it, it got to me really bad tonight. But um, I don't know if you have any suggestions on what I can say from now on. That would be great. And um, also about the it not being a genetic trait thing. I've heard from multiple people that it's been proven that it, your sexual orientation is a genetic trait, but, and I think I've pre- I've heard it on your show too, but um, if you could clarify that for me, that'd be great. You're only 17, so I assume that, I hope that you're still in high school uh, and about to graduate, and my advice to you would be move. Get a job right now and start saving your pennies and move. Move to a big city, move to a San Francisco, move to a Seattle if you want to stay relatively close to home. Move someplace where people aren't as ignorant and fearful as uh, your family members and the friends that your family members uh, believe they have a right to inflict on you uh, are. You don't have to win an argument with your brother's dumbest bigoted friend about your sexuality to own your sexuality. It's not up to him. Uh, It cannot be changed, Uh, particularly if you have no interest or desire in faking a change. He is not an expert on human sexuality. He doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. And you don't have to engage. It is not your responsibility uh, as a young bisexual person to win arguments with bigots talking out their asses. My advice for you would be to not engage. If somebody starts saying something to you, give them a look like, hmm, aren't you, aren't you retarded? Or aren't you an idiot? Pardon me, I'm not going to say retarded anymore. Aren't you uh, an idiotard? And walk out of the room. Just walk away. Just don't engage. Don't argue with them. Now, there's a ton of evidence out there that homosexuality uh, has a genetic component, that it's biologically based. Uh, you can wrap all that evidence around a brick and beat that motherfucking bigot's head uh, open, and it's still not going to sink in. It's still not going to get through his thick skull, even if you crack the fucking thing open with the evidence. If you would like to do some reading, a really good place to start is an article 
in uh, New York Magazine from a year or two ago called The Science of Gaydar. If you go to nymag.com and search Gaydar, it pops right up. Gaydar, of course, is spelled G-A-Y-D-A-R. Now, a lesbian in California was gang-raped this week by four men who saw that she had a rainbow sticker on her car, and they dragged her back into her car, uh, called her names, mocked her for being a lesbian, and raped her twice and then stole her car. Um, you're in a little bit of danger, frankly, if you if your family is doing this to you, if your family is marginalizing you like this and making you feel insecure like this, and then inflicting people like your brother's bigot friend on you like this. So you need to be a bit on your guard right now because people who believe that it can be changed, who are violent and sociopathic and inconsiderate, often take it upon themselves to make that change happen. A lot of young bisexuals and a lot of young lesbians experience rape at the hands of troglodyte bigots like this motherfucker who's hanging out in your house at Christmas. So my advice for you would be to start planning your escape. Start making a plan to get as far the fuck away from your family for now as possible. Because what you're eventually going to have to do is put your foot down. The only leverage you have with your family when you're gay and they're not into it, or you're lesbian and they're not into it, or you're bisexual and they're not into it, is your presence. Doesn't sound like you've been out to them very long. They're still having their idiot tantrum, which is characteristic of all families when a family member, a child, comes out. My family had that idiot tantrum too, and they're all totally over it now. But you have to use the leverage that you've got, which is your presence, your person. Get the fuck away from them. Tell them you are not going to discuss this anymore. Throw a couple of books on the table. Go to pflag.org for some recommendations about books that people who have family members who've just come out should be reading. Tell them to read those books and then go find better family. Go find friends. Go find people who are going to have your back, not be at your throat. And you will find those people where a lot of young queers from the backwoods, from small towns, even young queers from big cities who were unlucky enough to be born into bigoted families find their friends and family, which is in a big urban area amongst other kids, other people their own age who are going through the same thing that you're going through, which is coming out, having an, uh, un, not being re- that not being received well by the family, and then forging bonds with other people in the same situation because you're going to need that kind of support. You're going to need that kind of intimate connection, even as not sexual, uh, and, and that kind of love and unconditional love and love that where your your sexuality isn't a topic of discussion. It isn't an issue where everybody is like you and in the same boat. And even if you just go to San Francisco and fucking become a barista and live in an apartment with eight other people, it's going to be better than what you're putting up with and living with now and having to suffer now. I know you're probably trapped at the moment because you're only 17. You're probably still in school. The thing to do now is not feel like you're obligated to win an argument on behalf of your gay and lesbian and bisexual brothers and sisters in all other places and all other times with your family. The thing to do now is grin and bear it and make the plan to get the fuck out and the fuck away. And then you send letters home that say, hey, you want to see me at Christmas? Grow the fuck up. Maybe I'll come home. Maybe you'll see me in a couple of years when you get the fuck over it and you stop treating me with so much disrespect and emotional violence. Maybe then I'll come home when you're better people. I'm fine. You're fucked.
send a few of those letters, and then don't go home for a year or two. And then when you do go home, demand civil treatment and go home on your own terms, not your family's terms, not anymore. All right, we're going to leave it there. Last caller, I'm sure I speak for everyone listening to the podcast when we say that we're on your side and our hearts go out to you, um, and we wish you a happier New Year. All right, the number here, if you'd like to leave a question for a future podcast, 206-201-2720. You download us every week at www.thestranger.com slash savage. I blog every day at slog.thestranger.com. And uh, we will talk to you next year, me and the tech-savvy at-risk youth. We'll be back at you with another podcast next Tuesday. Thanks for listening.